You are listening to a True North Eager Beaver media podcast. The True North Eager Beaver podcasts are proudly brought to you by our founding sponsors, the Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, your source for science fiction, fantasy, and cozy mysteries featuring a broad diversity of characters. CanadianTarot.com, your uniquely Canadian online eclectic tarot community and forum, and the Peppermaster, hot pepper sauces made from fresh farm ingredients to thrill your taste buds and expand your mind. Hello, kids, and welcome to episode number 31 of Just a Nipple, the not-quite-daily beaver. For those moments when you still want your beaver grizzly goodness, but just don't have time for a whole bite. Today, recording day, is Wednesday, December 21st, 2022. First day of winter, winter solstice, shortest day of the year, longest night, deepest December, all of that. Ah... And it will be a uh, pretty nice day here at the Beaver Lodge. Uh, so, uh, but we've got some uh, weather coming as uh, the people out in uh, kits out in BC, and particularly up in Prince George, where it's minus forty-four with the wind chill, um, <clears throat> have been experiencing. Apparently, that's coming our way just in time for Christmas travel. So there's probably a lot of trips that are not going to be happening. <laughs> uh, apparently, it's supposed to have a lot of rain on the Thursday night with some flash freezing as we meet that uh, really uh, that cold uh, system that's hitting BC. And that's all going to happen on uh, around Christmas Eve. So, yay. So, you know, you might want to do a little bit of extra groceries to have some... Uh, goodies at home just in case you can't be going anywhere this year if you're living in Ontario and Quebec kits. I'm your host, the Eager Beaver, pronounce he, him, he, Mr. Beaver A, and I'm just delighted that you've joined us for our morning show today. Of course, a big thank you goes to our podcast's founding sponsors, The Peppermaster, The Miss Fee Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, and CanadianTarot.com. Good morning, Kit Hugh. Good morning, Kit Elaine. So nice to see you both. Good morning, Kit Linda. And, of course, we can't go forward without saying good morning to our podcast's fine and fantastic friend. Good morning to you, Mr. Grizzly, sir. How's your mental health today? Good morning, Mr. Beaver. Um, mental health is pretty good. Pretty good. I, 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 can't, I cannot tell a lie. Anxiety's at bay for this morning. Oh, i got to take my anxiety medication, too, while I think about it. Um, I have a hot cup of coffee, but I'm going to need to make some more before I head out the door to get to the office. It's, uh, we're having a um, holiday party today, so uh, we're wearing, trying to wear ugly Christmas sweaters to a holiday party. It, Sort of, <laughs> that's rather convoluted because they don't call them ugly holiday sweaters, do they? No, they do not. Right? So it's no, an ugly holiday sweater for a Christmas party, which I think is ugly holiday, no, ugly Christmas sweater for a holiday party. Did I get that yes. wrong? I mixed it up, didn't I? You, yeah. you mixed it up, yes. That's this list, list dyslexia. Dyslexia. Um, <laughs> 
too dyslexic arguing over the existence of dog. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good this morning. Uh, I'm going to need, like I said, another cup of coffee. I woke up feeling terribly hungover for no reason because I, I didn't earn the right to feel hungover. Gotcha. So it's like, why am I feeling this way? I, that's not fair. It's not fair to feel like you've been out drinking when you haven't. I actually stayed <laughs> I stayed home. My buddy says, hey, I'm, I'm at the pub. You want to join me for a beer? Just sat down to dinner. Let me uh, let me text you in a bit. Ate dinner, sat down on the couch, and I thought, I'm tired. I had a long day in the office. I had a lot to do. And when I got home, I spent a couple hours working on some things. And said, no. Uh, I texted him back. said, I'm going to stay in, and that's it. That's it. I'm going to stay in and, and behave and go to bed at a decent hour, which I did. I went to bed at 10.30, woke up exactly at 5 a.m., and felt like I'd been on the, out on the lash, as, the, as they say in, the, uh, in Ireland. But no, ah. I was not. I was not on the lash. I was well-behaved last night. Go figure. Okay, then, Hugh says that's called being over 50. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> not going to lie. That's, that's exactly what it is. Welcome, welcome to mid-50s. Uh, um, is it a short one today, sir? I can go a little bit longer. I do have to get to the office, but it's not a big rush because uh, I don't have any meetings until this afternoon. So, um, yeah, I can go in a little bit later. No problem. All right. All right. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to start with? Yeah, I do have a couple of quick things to throw up here. Throw up? Post up? I don't know. Throw up sounds terrible, doesn't it? I know, doesn't it? <laughs> let me let me put this up first. This is uh, Onion Lake Cree Nation. Um, let me just pull this down. There we go. Onion yes. Lake Cree Nation uh, filed statement of claim against Alberta over the Alberta Sovereignty Act to uh, protect their treaty and constitutional rights guaranteed under Treaty Six. Now I'm not going to try and say uh, December nineteenth, twenty twenty one, and it's got the name of a, uh, a settlement, uh, I guess, in Edmonton Treaty Six. Onion Lake Green Nation filed a statement of claim this morning against Alberta at Court of King's Bench over the Alberta Sovereignty Act breach of our treaty and constitutional rights guaranteed in Treaty Number 6. We have instructed our legal counsel to initiate litigation against Alberta to protect our treaty and constitutional rights. We have no choice but to use the colonial courts to defend our treaty rights and sovereign jurisdiction as Alberta has passed this law without any consultation from our nation. In fact... There's no evidence of consultation in the debates, Hansards, or elsewhere that Alberta sought any input from Indigenous peoples and treaty nations, stated Okima Lewis, Chief Lewis. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the first salvo, I think, to be tossed across the bow, as they say. There we go. Let's mm -hmm. get some festive, festive decorator, dec decorative uh, framework there. What do you think about that? I like that. I like the snowmen and I like the presents. There's I'm this one back, too, but, on but that kind of, that, there's this one too, but it takes up too much room. We'll just go back to the gifts. Yes. Um, yeah, I saw this the other day and uh, I had a couple of thoughts. One, it made me very happy. Mm -hmm. uh, well, not doesn't make me happy that this is necessary, but it makes me happy that it was done. Yes. Uh, number two, uh, the, gee, that sure didn't take long. Because I think it was in our last episode that we reported, or two episodes ago, about um, yeah, uh, she had a meeting with us, but she did not meet with us. Yeah, yeah. statement, <laughs> right? Uh, and uh, you know, we uh, and as predicted on the show, right? 
that uh, the federal government wasn't going to need to take action because the action, the call was going to come from inside the house. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm noticing here that, you know, when uh, people are saying like, you know, what about, what about Quebec? What about Quebec? What about the way you treat Quebec? Um, this is, mind you, precisely the exact same way. Yes. Being treated yeah. Quebec with uh, Bill 21 and all that. Mm-hmm. They waited for the cases to come first from within the province under their own charters and, you know, whatever way. And they're not going to take any action whatsoever until it actually gets to the Supreme Court. And it's time to take action because politically there's absolutely nothing in it for them except a nightmare. Exactly. If they do that before it, you got to let the other stages of the process go through. Um, so, ooh, I like that. Uh, so uh, what we have is a situation where um, Dan Old Yeller really wanted to pick a fight with Trudeau. Mm-hmm. And we saw that, uh, you know, when she made her little outburst about the straws that any pretext will do while she's saying, I really don't want to use this and sending out her ministers to scan every piece of federal legislation for a pretext to call this. And then over the past few days, Alberta's justice minister uh, came out to say that effectively January 1st, Alberta prosecutors will take over the prosecution of federal gun laws and will advise, and he's advising provincial prosecutors that it is not in the public interest to pursue charges against gun owners who owned weapons that were legal when purchased, but subsequently reclassified as illegal. Um, uh, now, Shandro is saying that he is not interfering with judicial independence mm-hmm. by making this recommendation that this is not guiding prosecutors. It's just providing them with advice. Uh, that's a little too cute by half. That line's a little blurry there. Um, According to the Canadian Minister of Justice, criminal code firearms offenses are already prosecuted by provincial prosecutors for the most part across Canada. Um, So he's basically saying that this is also not a move under the Alberta Sovereignty Act. Then why have it? Right. So he says it's not a move under the act to compel provincial crown prosecutors to not pursue gun charges. So he's doing like the not touching you, mm-hmm. Not, mm-hmm. Not, 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 not touching you type thing. Yeah. Right. Uh, not, but I'm we not, know what I'm this not, means. I'm not touching you. <laughs> yeah, really. So, I mean, he's again, they tried to bait the federal government into a fight and they did not get it. But where they did get their fight was from Canada's first peoples, from Alberta's first peoples, because as we said, all of Alberta is basically treaty territory, uh, and um, rightfully so, because they did not meet the duty to consult in any way, shape, or form. Um, uh, Kit Hughes says Alberta Sovereignty Act is more fantasy than Quebec sovereignty. Quebec, you know, for all the times that Alberta is saying they want to be treated just like Quebec, Quebec never actually passed a sovereignty act. Nope. Right. They had two referenda. Mm-hmm. And, this, and the first one wasn't even to separate. It was like, you know, do you give us permission to negotiate a sovereignty association, sort of like failing, which then we would make a move towards independence, that type of thing. So uh, this is just straight up, uh, if I don't like it, I'm not going to follow it. And I'm going to pretend that Canada doesn't exist as a country. Um, so, yeah, these are nowhere near the same things in any way, shape or form, legally, historically, culturally, uh, not at all. Um, so, yeah, she's getting her fight from First Peoples instead. And um, 
Pardon she's my going language. To lose. Here's the first F bomb of the day. They're going to fuck her up. Yeah, here's here's a card from uh, from uh, in 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 the, a chance card in the, in the flavor of Monopoly. <laughs> with a with Monopoly a saying from the uh, well, I don't know. It's with a saying from the uh, mayor of Peterborough, who we love, and we would we got to get her on this show at some point to, to have an in depth interview with her because she's just spectacular. Which we do yeah. follow one another on the Twitter. So, you know, but she's a busy busy lady. So, you know, yes, indeed. You know, we'll see. So yeah, we'll keep working yeah, at it. So, right, right. But as we predicted, right. Something so it would happen provincially first, and somebody would bring it up. And turns out that uh, she basically handed it uh, to the First Nations community on a silver platter uh, to bring it to court. I mean, this is very, very, very fast action to mm. bring this. It's like, yeah, you didn't consult us. We're not going to dick around. We're just like bringing this to court right away. Thank you. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Um, Onion, oh, what is it? Onion Lake. Onion Lake Nation. Yeah, uh, bring it back. We, uh, you know, yes, we know that you're doing this. Onion Lake uh, Nation. To stand up for your own rights and your own sovereignty uh, and to ensure that uh, treaty is uh, respected and enforced. Uh, but you also happen to be doing the rest of the country a favor at the same time. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, mad respect. Yeah. Thank you so Absolutely. very much. Because uh, this works and, uh, for, 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 for everyone's favor. You. Oh, completely. Completely. Yeah. Completely. Um, so. This, this is, works in our favor as well, right? You, you can't let a dictator go ahead and dictate. You just can't. Yep. And that's what she's trying just, to do. Oh, yeah. Because, but, I mean, clearly... Uh, I don't know when it is that she's going to fit in between now and May, the things that she's supposed to do to essentially be or allegedly be responsive to the things that Albertans are actually caring about, like health, education, cost of living, uh, you know, adaptation of the economy for the future. Um, uh, she just seems to be on an all fight all the time mm -hmm. schedule. Oh yeah. yeah. And there's, there's been nothing so far. I mean, yeah, I don't. I, I don't see what it is. I mean, other than like dismantling the healthcare system, trying to do that super fast. Um, uh, what else is she doing? I don't know. Honestly, she just she literally is just picking fights. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I don't see how that's going to work out for her. I just don't. But you know, but, you know God bless your heart, darling. Bless her. <laughs> bless your heart does not mean bless your heart no no darling that's a southern yeah. polite way of saying gfw gfy yes gfw GFY. no my alphabet this morning <laughs> you need a coffee it would seem it would seem so. Um, in some health news, uh, a new study says that uh, COVID vaccines in the United States have saved 3.2 million lives. Not according to this lady. Yeah. Uh, that, that passage is not in the Bible, <laughs> especially not in Exodus. Yeah. Good Lord. Oh, Lord. Is it, what how's that song go? Like, Dear God. Oh, from uh, uh, dear God, I, I want to tell you about some people who wrote this thing in this book because 
there's crazy human, yeah, or something. There's a lot of stories about you in this book, and as crazy humans wrote it, I think you should take a look. Yes. <laughs> it's like, ah, they're, they're not, um, yeah, <laughs> they're not getting it right. They ain't right in the um, head. So, yeah. So apparently a new study says that COVID vaccines in the United States have saved 3.2 million lives, kept 18.2 million people out of hospital, and saved more than $1 trillion in healthcare costs. Uh, those are estimates that are considered to be conservative from the Commonwealth Fund at the Yale School of Public Health. Uh, wow. More than 615 million vaccines have been administered in the United States. Uh, where Canada is concerned, uh, in the province of Quebec, their director of public health, Luc Boileau, has basically said that anyone who gets COVID between now and Christmas should skip spending time with friends and family for the holidays. Uh, there's an increase in COVID in the province and it's being driven by a dominant strain called BQ1 and that's not Bloc Québécois 1. <laughs> While it is not more dangerous than the variants of COVID that we've come to know, it is a lot more contagious. And... Uh, he basically advises that anyone infected with COVID should avoid unnecessary gatherings for a full 10 days, even if they have mild or no symptoms. Uh, he said this in French, so this is my translation. Mm -hmm. uh, we are carriers. We can transmit it. We avoid gatherings. Please. It sucks, but it's like that. It's the best thing to do. Uh, still with all of that, um, uh, no mandatory requests for masks and uh, no gathering limits invoked yet at the moment. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, but basically, yeah, if you're, we're, we're in that period now, we're the 21st. So if you're catching it, you probably should avoid uh, gatherings. Canada's chief science advisor, Dr. Mona, ne Mona Niemer, is urging the federal government to develop a list of criteria to diagnose long COVID and its guidelines for doc and guidelines for doctors to treat it. Uh, she says that estimates from the U.S. suggest that 10 million people with long COVID could carry an economic cost of $3.7 trillion per year. With 1.4 million people in Canada already reporting symptoms, it's not difficult to imagine the serious ramifications for our own economy. That's a lot of money. Just due to long COVID. Oh, yeah. And in Canada, it is um, estimated basically through a task force report. It shows that about 15% of adults that get infected with COVID-19 experience long-term systems. So um, the systems, symptoms. Oh, I'm having trouble today. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's... Uh, it's pretty nasty. And as we were mentioning in a, in a previous show, where uh, we're with the access to children's medication, um, you know, where they were telling us just get it from the U.S., you know, because they've got plenty. And then we said, well, no, the U.S. doesn't have plenty. Uh, well, apparently um, CVS and Walgreens in the United States are limiting the amount of children's painkillers one can buy in order to support greater availability. And the Consumer Healthcare Products Association say that sales of children's painkillers are up 65% compared to this time last year. Wow. So that was the increase in demand that we were having earlier because our flu season mm -hmm. came a little earlier than the one in the United States. So, um, yeah, there's basically shortages everywhere. When the conservatives were telling you, ah, it's just as easy as just calling up Australia and, and just you know, having some sent over. No, it's not. It never was. No. It never was because they had the same modeling and forecasting that we did and they knew that it was coming for their kids too. Just a couple of weeks delayed because it's a little warmer down there. Well, yeah. 
and also they're entering summer while we're entering. We're, you know, first day of winter here, first day of summer there, right? In Australia, yes. Yes, in but the in, southern in the hemisphere. States. Oh, in the U.S. That's, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, same same reason like their Thanksgiving's about one month after ours, right? It's well, warmer. Yeah. Yeah. Harvest warmer. is later. So well, harvest, harvest, harvest is later in the southern U.S., but if we want to split hairs on that one, the, yes. f- the first Thanksgiving occurred in Massachusetts. They did not have it in late November. <laughs> no, especially back then. <laughs> I mean, I have to tell Americans all the time that Canada's been celebrating Thanksgiving longer, number one. And number two, uh, the modern Thanksgiving started in, th- in the 30s as a way to boost uh, retail sales during the height of the Depression. It was made a holiday by the, um, uh, who was in government at the time, the New Deal came up with the new deal roosevelt thank you what no roosevelt no it wasn't roosevelt that did. no it wasn't roosevelt it was uh, fdr fdr yeah, it was roosevelt yeah, yeah. No, franklin no, roosevelt. Yeah. sorry i was thinking teddy <laughs> it was fdr yes. franklin delano roosevelt yes you were sorry, right. yes yeah. yes i keep on forgetting there were two two roosevelts the first and then the second fdr was the second roosevelt and yeah he he, he did that to spur retail sales during the christmas uh purchasing season in the 1930s during the height of the depression so there's a little history lesson for you folks in, in like very short terms. Hmm. Um, just on the chat, I see Kit Hugh saying, I got it, Douglas, but I don't know exactly what that refers to. So if you could refresh my memory, I would appreciate that. Yeah, I'm, I'm turning into 10 second Tom this morning. What? Hi, my name is Tom. Hi, what? my name is Tom. <laughs> You've seen that from 51st Dates. Yes, and then he they reused the same character in another film where he was in a corner store. I forget what film it was, but it was another Adam Sandler film. And Adam Sandler does that with a lot of his buddies. He he has them cycling and out of other movies. So yeah. <laughs> I like Adam Sandler. Eight Crazy Nights. I saw an interview with him recently uh, where he was um, promoting a movie that I guess he was having more of a dramatic role as a basketball coach. It was sort of like the basketball version. Oh, yes, yes. It looks good, yeah. It's on Netflix, Prime, Apple. It's on one of them. It's on one of them. I haven't haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but it does look good. Um, And you know what? He's a brilliant dramatic actor when he chooses to do uh, drama. The movie's called Hustle. Hustle, yes. If you've ever seen Punch Drunk Love, you'd know what I mean. He plays a a rather unique character in that one, and it's like, damn. Adam's got the chops, but most comedians tend to be very good dramatic actors. Yeah, we saw that with Robin Williams and Jim Carrey. And, right. Uh, yeah, those are the first two that come to mind right off the bat. Have you seen I Love You, Philip Morris? No, I have not seen that one. It's a Jim Carrey film. It's a dramatic role. There's some comedic elements to it, and there's a few surprises you won't see coming. <laughs> okay. And I'll leave it at that. See if you can find it. It's a good movie. But the surprises okay. are a bit of a, whoa! <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm returning the first one that comes to mind is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Brilliant film, yeah. Oh, and don't forget, uh, what was the movie he made where he was the child who was grazed in a dome by a television station? The Truman Show. Thank you, The Truman Show. Had elements of comedy, but it was more dark comedy drama than anything else, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Great especially film. as, it, as it, the film progressed. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I got yeah. some numbers for you here that I'll throw, throw up a graph. Um, CPC later, CPC leader favorability approval after the first three months. So Harper in uh, from uh, the Environic, in, in 
in Veronix poll in 2004 was 52% approved. Veronix. Thank you, and Veronics, 26% disapproved and 23% were not sure. Sheer, 34, 34, 32. O'Toole, 36, 42 disapproval, 22% not sure. Skippy the Wonder Pigeon, 33% approve, 54% disapprove, and 13% are not sure. Those are pretty decisive numbers for Skippy. I mean, 54% and then the 13% not sure? Usually the not sure mm-hmm. numbers tend to be, you know, uh, fence pole sitters, if you will, or like I'm, I'm kind of undecided. They usually are considerably higher than that, especially if you look at, you know, past leaders, the graph, 23, 32, 22, 13. So that's like there are a lot more people who know, no, this ain't, this ain't the guy. 54% disapproval. That's yeah, massive. That's, that's fair. Yeah, that, that's early on in the tenure too. And, and those are numbers for the same time in the tenure of all those leaders. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Sorry so, about that. Um, so that's uh, that's fairly quickly, and I was looking at that. That's uh, some survey from uh, Angus Reed, mm-hmm. uh, and as you know, uh, we often say, and it is true, Angus Reed uh, tends to lean very much conservative. So that's a conservative leaning pollster indicating those numbers. Yeah, it's probably even a little worse. Oh, I would imagine. I, I, I have no <clears throat> doubt. I have no doubt. Now, it, yeah. Now, if you're looking at that data, he's got the highest disfavorable. Um, he's got the lowest favorables of all the four leaders. Now it's just one percent mm-hmm. below someone else. But the the you know if you do the plus minus, you know take the the positive and subtract the negative number, he's got by far, by far the highest. Oh yeah. I think it's uh, yeah he's like minus twenty one. Because whereas Harper was plus 26, Shear was at a flat zero, and O'Toole was at a minus six. What do, what do we call that in the business? Um, lame duck. Yeah, tanking like crazy. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, I was looking at uh, that, and uh, there was a little additional data that I was seeing uh, at other parts uh, that you might find interesting, Mr. Grizzly. I'm going to do a share screen with you right sure here. thing. If you look at this one, mm-hmm. here, this is a favorability over the course of this year. Right. So four times taken the year, 20, March of 22, June of 22, September 22, and December 22. Uh, with men, one of the narratives, uh, right, for Skippy is that he's attracting a lot of young Canadians, particularly mm-hmm. young men. Um, support for young men, Justin Trudeau's approval numbers from young men 18 to 34 has been running between 29 and 31% all year. Until now. Up until December 22nd, an eight-point jump upwards, 39%. Mm-hmm. There is no other demographic of men that's had that big a jump anywhere at any point at, during the time of the year. So yeah, something happened. Pretty much remained flat in, in, in any other demographic. Yeah, 35 to 54, it's been between 30 and 33. Right now, sitting at 31, 55 plus, it's between 33 and 37, sitting at 36 right now. But this was 31%, 29%, 31%, and 39%. So they, they were the least sold on him all I, year long. I'm going to guess. Up until the last three months. I'm going to guess a lot of Gen Z kids are going like, nope, we're not, I, we're not accepting the hate. Not happening. Yep, not happening. Now, if you look uh, with women where he was doing well mm-hmm. uh, all the way. Women 55 plus 
going between uh, 47 and 53% where he sits right now, 35 to 54, between 41% and 47% where he sits right now. Uh, so he's sitting at annual highs with all groups of women, but again, young women, mm-hmm. 18 to 34. Again, Gen In Z. March, it was 39%. In June, 43%. In September, 46%. In December, 50%. So there's been an 11% increase over the course of the year of his favorability among young women. He's almost over 50% across women across the board. Well, women tend to be smarter than men. I don't don't argue that point. Um, Most of the women in my life are significantly smarter than I am. Um, Significantly? I don't even know. See, I'm not even smart enough to come up with the proper terminology there. Uh, but but um, Gen Z is not having the hatred. They're not having it. They're not having the hatred. They're not having the populism. They're not having the divisiveness. And women in, uh, across the board are going, nope, we reject all of this. So thank you, ladies. Thank you once again for yes. saving us. Yeah, uh, We appreciate and you, it. Yeah, and if you put up this table, uh, I don't know if I can blow that up a little more. Let's see that. Yeah, there you okay, go. That's probably that's the good. best I can do. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, this is by region. So total Canada, BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, Quebec, and Atlantic Canada. The blues and the grays are favorable. The red mm-hmm. is unfavorable. The only places in entire Canada were very favorable and favorable added together comes up to more than 50% is Alberta. Mm-hmm. He's at 53 And Saskatchewan, where he's at 57. Everywhere else in the country, he's underwater. Oh, yeah. BC, 30% favorability. Nationally, 33%. Manitoba, 35% favorability. Ontario, 35% favorability. Atlantic Canada, 33% favorability. Quebec, 20%. Yeah. Just as was the case for Harper, they've seen right through him, right from the Mm get-go. When you start at 20%, they're never going to love you. Well, and he's been largely absent uh, in the media for quite some time. He doesn't do interviews unless he handpicks the journalist that he gets to interview him. And the interview is usually just letting him go off and saying whatever the hell he wants. And like never has he did with J.J. McCullough. No follow-up questions, no confrontation. Just say whatever you want and I'll let you do it. That's not an interview. It's a monologue. Nope. Pretty much. Monologue with an audience. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, he's not doing too well at the moment. And uh, not sure. I mean, he's going to need to pivot somehow. Oh, I yeah. don't know how he's going to pivot. And he's got to pivot in such a way that he doesn't lose uh, the PPC vote, which has pretty much collapsed and gone to him. Because, I mean, they're not loyal. Oh, God, no. <laughs> well, and remember this. This is from uh, the early days of the pandemic. When, uh, well, let's just use his own words against him. I I just want to be clear about something about the upcoming budget. Do you or don't you want to see special measures in there now? Uh, Because one would think that the federal government will have to have some for the country to deal with COVID-19. Yeah, I've just listed when I when you asked the question the first time, I answered it by saying that, yes, we do believe that we need to lower taxes, eliminate regulatory red tape. That doesn't exactly address COVID-19, though, in in all fairness. Actually, in fairness, it might not develop address it the way you want to address it. You might want to address it through big, fat government programs. We're, We're conservatives, so we don't believe in that. 
I, j- I just want to be clear about something. About so the he would have let us wither and die on the vine during COVID-19 because we don't believe in that sort of thing. Yeah, but here's the other thing, right? Was that, I mean, first of all, again, he looked annoyed to even be asked the question. Mm-hmm. You saw his face contort. And he's saying, well, you know, that won't address it the way you wanted to address it. But the point that journalist was making was correct. Lowering taxes and reducing red tape is not going to help prevent the transmission or help people recover from COVID. Or, or help those of us who are suddenly unemployed. Yeah, it's not, this is not like, you know, we've got two, two different ways. You know, we're going to give money to you directly versus give money to organizations in the community who will do things to support you. But somewhere along the way, the money's going to get to you. This is, we're going to do something and we're not, we're going to do something that has totally nothing to do with <laughs> addressing the problem. Uh, well, yeah, that will work. We're going to so, enrich yeah. our, our wealthy donor uh, elite crew by giving them tax cuts and eliminated, eliminating regulatory red tape for wealthy donors to the conservative caucus. But um, screw the little guy, and if you're a working class stiff that'll like make me, you feel better. Yeah. That'll clear up your sniffle. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll get a $500 tax rebate next year. Unimpressed face. How is that paying my rent or putting food on my table today? <sighs> I know, I know. No answers, never, never answers. Nope. And look, no, no answers. I'm, I refer to $500 rebate because of that recent $500 um, rent subsidy mm-hmm. that the liberals brought forth. Okay, it's a nice step, guys, but it's a one-time $500 payment. What do I do next right. month? Right. And I don't qualify. I mean, I can, I can afford my rent, but for the millions who can't, it's a one-time payment. And that to me, that to me seems politicking. It's a nice gesture, but it's not enough. It needs to be every month. You need to subsidize the rents of those people who are paid so poorly they can't afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. And they want to solve the homeless problem, but what do we do? They, many governments will ask us to contribute more money and time and effort into building up our food banks. We shouldn't have food banks in Canada in 2022. They should not exist. But that's right. me on a soapbox for a couple of minutes. No, but we shouldn't. We shouldn't. There should be no need for them. We should. Enough people work hard enough to generate enough revenue that they should be able to benefit from the fruits of their labor to have a life that's not just working to make enough to have the minimum amount of food and pay rent and nothing else. A life with some dignity. And for those of us who can't, we produce enough to be able to help. Oh, yes. I like so, this I mean, comment. There is the, there's no need. This comment from, from, from uh, our friend Hugh, food banks are a failure of public policy. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. And this yep. is, we need a UBI. It's, yep. it's got to happen. And it's got to happen sooner than later. I mean, we're making steps in the right direction with the dental program that we've just, uh, just, just uh, the liberal government brought forward with, with the support of the NDP government uh, that the conservative government voted against. Uh, and let's point that out because it needs to be pointed out that we're, we're conservatives. We don't believe in big government spending programs. 
Yeah. I believe they voted against the rental top-up as well. They yeah, they voted did. for the doubling of the GST rebate because it's taxes. But, but the second they find out money was uh, lost and due to fraud during CERB, that money could have been spent on health care, <laughs> which, which they continue to privatize and cut expenditures on. Alberta has yeah. a $4 billion surplus. Or, or, oh, yep. Sorry, was it four? I think it might even be more. But that is not something to actually brag about as a government. No government should brag about having a surplus. That money yep. should be spent on the people who gave it to you. Us. Yep. yep. And uh, New Brunswick recorded the largest surplus ever as well. Yeah. How many people suffered yep. for that? And they'll yeah. say austerity, this, that, and the other thing. And meanwhile, people will die in the streets because they can't afford to keep a roof over their heads or food in their belly while going to the food bank. I mean, it's it's like the dirty 30s all yeah. over again. Yeah. says right here that uh, newly released figures, well, this was in late September, of course, uh, shows that New Brunswick posted a surplus of $777.3 million in 2021-2022, a turnaround of more than a billion from what was originally projected. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, they're coming to Ottawa and saying, you know, Daddy, healthcare is broken. Can I have money? Then True Daddy says, well, what about the money and the tax points I gave you before to fix it? And then the premiers go, candy is broken. Need fix it. Can I have money? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just... <sighs> so, yeah, there are, there are, there are, yeah, if the, if you're running a surplus, you've got money to help people. If you're running you've a surplus, you, you, well, I think you failed if you're running a surplus as a government. That's my personal opinion. Um, I'm sure somebody with a better economic background and and uh, uh, political science degree will tell me I'm wrong, but th- that's fine. I'm entitled to my opinion. But if you're running a surplus, you're not helping the people who need the most help. That I think yep. we can all agree upon. Yep. I think we can agree on that. Um, now, uh, on the upside uh, for Canadians, um, while Skippy's going all over talking about the, the triple, 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 Mm. particularly with the gas taxes. Uh, Gas prices have dropped nearly 30 cents per liter over the last five weeks, uh, which is more than the entirety of the carbon tax Mm -hmm. or carbon regulatory fee on gas since its inception. That's rather telling now, isn't it? Okay. I think it's only about like 11.2 cents added per liter since its inception in the last five years. Gas prices have dropped nearly 30% per 30 cents per liter over the last five weeks. Um, especially uh, diesel prices, however, have not. Uh, prices have been high most of the year, especially bad in Atlantic Canada, uh, where it's about 56 cents higher than the Canadian mm-hmm. average. Um, apparently That's what heating oil is. Some- home, heating, home heating oil, pardon me, is diesel. Yes. Um, so apparently there's uh, costs are elevated down the eastern seaboard all the way through New York as major, major diesel buyers have driven up the prices. Uh, the Canadian refiners are benefiting, but uh, they're not the cause because at the moment with diesel, it's just a case of demand very much exceeding supply. Um, like this, uh, so, and in the United States, it's the same thing with gas. Um, 
according to the AAA, the price of a gallon of gas has dropped to $3.12, which is the lowest since July 2021. And 21 states have even lower average prices below $3 per gallon in some places. So if we can assume that gas prices here are maybe also close to July 2021 lows, um, right? Like again, Skippy's argument is falling apart oh, really? uh, in terms of where it's being connected to reality. Now, of course, the people that just want to hear true to bad, well, they won't care about doing that math. Uh, but yes, over the last five weeks, just so that you know at home, the price of gas, the average price of gas throughout the country has dropped more than the entire carbon regulatory fee that over the last five years. So there you go. I uh, don't know what Skippy's yelling about, but uh, it's not the right thing. Well, he's yelling about this now too. Have you seen this? For too many Canadians, this Christmas season is going to be a tough one. Just inflation has damaged the Christmas cheer, and even Santa's workshop can't fill in the gap. 52% of Canadians find they can't afford Christmas gifts. What? Okay, what, what are you going to do about it, Skippy? What are you going to do about global inflation? How are you going to lower global inflation? You voted against dental care for children. You voted against child care subsidy. That's two. And then you voted against the one-time rental payments so shut the fuck up you raging arsehole when you say shit like this and then all you do is complain every time somebody tries to do something to counter it fuck i hate that guy sorry for going off but come on this is the biggest load of bullshit i've ever seen in my life it just never ends with this fucker i hear you and uh speaking about child care Mr. Grizzly, if you will put this up. Sure thing. These started appearing yesterday. Uh, here you've got, let's see if I can blow this up to get a little more. Yeah, that's good. Here we have uh, Steve Clark, who's a minister in the Ontario PCD government, saying, great news for families across Leeds, Grenville. Our government just announced 53,000 new licensed and affordable child care spots will be in place across Ontario by 2026, including almost 400 here in our community. Uh, yes. And then, uh, if we continue, uh, I do not know why my thing keeps on scrolling back up, even though I tell it not to, but yeah, there here, you go. Pull it off then the if we look, oh, you got then it. we had yeah. this campaign mm-hmm. pop up and pretty much every uh, Ontario uh, Conservative uh, MPP put this one up. A 50% reduction in childcare means more money in parents' pockets. Ford Nation and uh, Stephen Lecce are taking action to finally make childcare affordable and more accessible for working families. Blah, blah, blah. This is a picture of this beautiful child. Mm. This with a big like 50% reduction, lowering the cost of childcare, better deal for families. Ontario's plan, all in blue. Um. As President Obama once said, uh, you didn't build that. No, you did not. You didn't build that. That's not did your money. Not built. That's federal money that was transferred over to you uh, that you balked about taking, uh, kicked and screamed about having to take, mm-hmm. uh, then tried to do some work around so that you didn't have to give it all once you got it. Uh, and now that it's been going through the system, uh, you're taking credit for it and not giving credit to anybody who put the money in your pocket in the first place. Typical con behavior. Typical. As the saying goes, cons love to say no, 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 but they always take the dough. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah. true, though. 
It's Trudeau. Yeah. D O U G H. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just, uh, they're just like preening and patting themselves on the back. Look at what we did. Look at what we did. It's like you fought it every step of the way. Yeah. You're doing this because you have to. You took the money and legally you have to put it into child care because that's what you well, signed on the paper. And the 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 uh, sign-on deadline almost expired. Remember? Yep. Doug waited and waited and waited, signed it like at the 11th hour. And now he's bragging about what he did. He did nothing. He did nothing. But he'll take the credit for it because that's what these cons, remember, cons, as in con, confidence, man, con artist, confidence artist. They gain your confidence by telling you what you want to hear, lying to your face, and when you're not looking, they rob you blind. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. You are not wrong. You are not wrong. Um, In other news here, um, there's some CTV news. Oh, yeah. Um, Mr. Melling. (laughs) Mr. Melling. Michael Smelling. Uh, Apparently, uh, according to Charles Adler, the way he put it, the suit who sacked Lisa Laflamme has been removed from news, transferred to a different division. Unlike Laflamme, he lost face but not work. Unlike her, he got taken care of while she got taken out like yesterday's trash. Now, you would have thought, or at least I would have thought as a former PR guy, that the cost to reputation, the cost to goodwill, the major PR damage control dollars that he cost the organization would have justified him being bounced out right on his ear. But it appears that friends take care of friends, especially when they're men. Uh, It seems that Michael Melling is now going to be the vice president of shared services. And uh, there's a quote in the Toronto Star that says, a senior journalist at CTV told the Star that Melling's move to VP of shared services should not be seen as a demotion. Shared services in the Bell Empire is a huge division, way bigger than the news department. So he failed up? He failed up. He's got more responsibilities. He's probably responsible for the careers of more women. Great. Uh, or like this. And apparently after this entire review that CTV has done about all that that happened, we still don't know why specifically or for what reason specifically Lisa Laflamme was actually fired. Uh, we'll never get the true, true story. But they did a review. And they didn't answer the basic question. Of course not. It wouldn't suit their narrative. Hmm. Remember, this is Bell. Hmm. This is Bell. Because this is coming up soon, right? Yeah. Their, their mental health we, uh, narrative. We took $122 million in COVID labor subsidies, then axed hundreds of employees. That's true. That is true. Let's talk, eh? Let's talk. Let's talk about how horrible you are as a corporation. Yes. And before we go, since we're talking about horrible organizations, um, 
the new Hockey Canada Board of Directors. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's been chosen. Uh, uh, fortunately, it is much more representative than it once was. There are now five women and four men on the board. Uh, and uh, the board chair is uh, the Honorable Hugh L. Fraser, who is a retired judge, uh, a black man, oh. with nearly three decades of experience as a justice in the Ontario Court of Justice. Prior to his appointment to the bench, Justice Fraser worked as a lawyer in private practice and served on the Canadian Human Rights Tribunal for several for seven years. Seven years. Uh, he's a former Olympian, mm. uh, so uh, he took a particular interest in sports law, holding a place on the Court of Arbitration for Sports since 1995, and served on the first ad hoc court at the Olympic Games in 1996. Um, so hopefully. That sets a good tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the board as well is uh, Grant Borbridge, who is an experienced executive, uh, who is currently vice president of legal and corporate secretary at Trimac Transportation, where he oversees the government and corporate structure um, over there. Uh, Cassie Campbell Pascal. I was just about to say. Yeah, on the board. Gold medal winner uh, at the Olympics in Salt Lake City 2012. Uh, first female hockey player inducted into the Canada Sports Hall of Fame. Of course, broadcaster. Uh, you'll recognize her if you follow hockey. Hockey Night um, in Canada. Yeah, you have uh, Julie Dansereau, who's an experienced lawyer and accredited mediator in civil, commercial, labor, and family matters. So hopefully that skill will come in handy. Got David Evans, who is an experienced executive, having worked over two decades within the consulting, advisory, and real estate industry. Uh, prior to transitioning to become a full-time real estate developer, he was the global head of innovation and technology for a large international advisory firm. And he, in that capacity, he was responsible for providing strategic direction and global coordination. So hopefully that will help. Then we also have Marnie Fullerton, who is an experienced executive with three decades of leadership experience as a senior advisor. Uh, Jonathan Goldblum, who is a communication specialist, uh, and uh, Marianne Jacko, who is uh, currently serving as the Assistant Deputy uh, Attorney General for the Indigenous Justice Division of the Ontario Ministry of the Attorney General, and she's an Indigenous woman. Excellent. And then Andrea Poole as well. Uh, so a, little, a lot more uh, diversity a, this time around. Uh, less about yeah. the old boy, the old white boys club, right? Exactly, a former CEO. So hopefully with these women and uh, different mixes and different cult backgrounds, they have the skill set to, to do what's needed to uh, bring Hockey Canada back to where it uh, should be. Uh, Mr. Grizzly, I think we have a show. Yes, sir. I got to get to the office and uh, we're almost an hour in. I'd say that's pretty good when I got when I got to run. <laughs> All right. Kits, that's the end of this episode of Just a Nibble, the Not Quite Daily Beaver podcast. We hope you love listening to us because we love making this for you because democracy is something that you do. Uh, if there's a Toys for Tots or something like that in your region, uh, please donate to that because, you know, Christmas is for kids. It's for everyone, of course, but in particularly for kids. Uh, so let's make sure that they have a nice one this year. If you like this podcast, you can find us on the Dean Blundell Network, as well as anywhere you get all your podcasts featuring a grizzly bear and a beaver. Uh, Yes, 
Kit Saucy Seawitch. Thank you for joining us eventually today. It was nice to see you as well. Uh, please share the podcast and we love your feedback. We're on Facebook and Twitter and our email is truenortheagerbeaver at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us via our pod page, podpage.com slash the true north eager beaver with a hyphen between each one of those words. And if you'd like to encourage us, our tip jar is available at our coffee page. That's ko-fi.com slash eager beaver, all in one word, lowercase letters. That's coffee, ko-fi.com slash eager beaver. And if you'd like to get something for your money or you're still looking for that last minute Christmas gift, hopefully we'll be able to get it to you on time. We have eager beaver t-shirts for you, seasonal Christmas teas and Mr. Grizzly Civics teas. Increase your holiday spirit by 19.7%. And even that we have some to choose from in sizes 3 to X sorry, small to 3XL. We have something for everybody. Being informed has never been more fashion. Go to deanblundell.square.site slash s slash shop to get yourself some fabulous today. From the Beaver Lodge, this is your eager beaver saying, until next time, dear kids, it could be a tough world out there, so please be kind to and gentle with yourself. And Mr. Grizzly, some words of wisdom? Bundle up this weekend. We're about to get hit with a big winter storm, so be prepared. There you go. And as Kitty Lane says, have a beyond awesome day, everyone. Mr. Grizzly, please roll the credits. The True North Eager Beaver podcast is an Eager Beaver Mr. Grizzly collaboration. Research, story, and guest curation, and copywritten by The Eager Beaver. Recording, production, editing, and additional research by Mr. Grizzly. Music courtesy of Ben Sound Royalty Free Music. Once again, thank you to our founding sponsors, The Peppermaster. The Miss Fee Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing and CanadianTarot.com. And thank you to Pete Jarvis for our artwork. We love it. Kits, we'll talk to you real soon. Bye. Take care. Hey, everyone. See you later, eh? You are listening to a True North Eager Beaver media podcast. The True North Eager Beaver podcasts are proudly brought to you by our founding sponsors, the Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, your source for science fiction, fantasy, and cozy mysteries featuring a broad diversity of characters. CanadianTarot.com, your uniquely Canadian online eclectic tarot community and forum. And the Peppermaster, hot pepper sauces made from fresh farm ingredients to thrill your taste buds and expand your mind. Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com.